Trek, for the longest time, we've always known that my opinions are higher than most people's. Sure. And it's just nice to finally get confirmation of this. <laughs> okay. Because this week, in the mail, I received, I've been welcomed into the Nielsen family. <laughs> Wow, I right. uh, one of our one of our August institutions of the United <laughs> yes. States, uh, the Nielsen Survey. I think I yes. think I still think the most efficient way to find out what people are watching on television. You know, it's also great. They're also kind of like pimps because they it included a dollar, and they're like, "Hey, fill out the survey, and we'll give you an extra five. <laughs> so now I feel a little dirty for filling it out. But wait, also, wait, 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 like, wait, wait, wait! You actually did fill it out? Of course. What? Why? Five dollars. Okay. <laughs> nothing to sneeze at it's a free cup of coffee i thought you had some dignity i thought you were above this but <laughs> hell no to be part to know that my opinion is being counted are you kidding i know it's you better know, than uh... voting okay <laughs> at least my at least my vote matters when that happens it is but it is better than voting you're making you're affecting change by mm-hmm. presumably not watching the olympics like everybody else exactly and because i filled out the english version not the spanish because ew gross <laughs> It's <laughs> already accelerated to being a 70-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> filling, filling out, uh, complaining about minorities and filling out your Nielsen survey. <laughs> I just want to know how they found me. <laughs> I, like, I'm it must sure be this podcast. It must be, it must be the outreach we're having. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and once, I'll tell you why, because once again, we picked a movie, we revisited a mainstream, bottom-of-the-barrel, mm-hmm. lowest common denominator movie, didn't we, John? Classic Oscar bait. Exactly. I there there are a, a myriad of reasons why this show isn't very successful, but so, a, part of our movie selection, I think, is part of it. <laughs> oh, we can't just do Jaws every week. I know that's right. Well, we can't just do a Quentin Tarantino movie every week. No, we should be doing The Dark Knight or um, Oh, that's true. <laughs> the Dark Knight or I don't know, Gladiator or <laughs> Gladiator. IMDb movies. <laughs> that their users love. That's what we should mm-hmm. be doing. Just exactly. the top 250 IMDb list. That's all we should be doing. Yeah. Which this movie is actually on, surprisingly. Yeah. And it, actually, and it is an Oscar winner. The Oscars are coming up, and if you stay tuned, we are going to predict some Oscars later. Yes. So once you get through with this conversation, please don't turn it off. Yeah, please. <laughs> if you can get through this conversation. Yes, because this week we watched the Italian film Cinema Peridicio. That was exceptionally done, that accent. Thank you. Thank you. I liked it. I've been practicing that all week. John, this was part of a spate of uh, foreign movies, because Hollywood was really in the dregs at this point. Oh, no. (laughs) So cinephiles were desperate for anything, any level of quality. So (laughs) they were looking looking outside the U.S., Mm -hmm. and they found movies like Babette's Feast and uh, Jean de Florette, Manon de Spring, and this movie, Cinema Paradiso. And of course, it's about the movies, John. Oh, it's about the magic of film and how it brings people together. 
Well, in parts, anyway. <laughs> this movie ended up being more sophisticated than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's really not about the movies. It's really more about a relationship between a boy and a grown man. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. How do you think this film reads today? I do I don't want to be cynical. Okay, this movie starts. Let's let's set the set the scene here. Mm-hmm. It starts as kind of a, a fable, a nostalgic look back at a at a young boy's um, coming of age uh, in Sicily mm-hmm. around the 1940s. They don't really specify, and and I've got some qualms at the timeline. But again, we'll we'll gloss over that. It's about a young boy uh, named Salvatore. They call him Tito. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a little precocious, you know, a little troublemaker, but he loves the movie house. Mm-hmm. And so, and he always wants to go up to the projection booth and see what's going on there. And there, he um, establishes a friendship. First, confrontational, but uh, he establishes a friendship with the uh, projectionist, whose name is Alfredo, named after the best of pasta sauce. <laughs> That's why you like him immediately. Just, yeah, always ready with those food jokes. Bam. <laughs> We're so fat. <laughs> Anyway, so that's kind of the crux. That's kind of what propels the narrative forward is this uh, bond that they form. There's a there's a quid pro quo at one point um, because uh, how do I how do I put this delicately? Um, Alfredo <laughs> is water brained. <laughs> He's illiterate and never kind of advanced past grade school. And warns little Tito like this is this is not a life. You know, I know you love movies now, but you know, sitting up here alone, uh, fre- uh, freezing your butt off in the winter, you know, sweating your sweating your buns off in the summer, uh, <laughs> missing all the major holidays. Like this is not a this is not a a, a good life. No, I mean he obviously. He kind of has learned to appreciate what he does, but Alfredo obviously lives a life of regret. Yeah, uh, which which kind of uh, again, I was surprised kind of plays later in the story because the movie is like very fableish. You just think it's going to be about a, a this friendship and how it grows, and you know you expect that. Uh, oh, Tito, the, this young boy is going to help uh, Alfredo get his uh, his equivalent of the GED or something like that, or and. You think like, oh, he's gonna. Um, Tito's father has passed away in the war, mm-hmm. so you think, uh, oh, Alfredo's gonna be just a father figure, and you think that it's gonna play out in a conventional way. Well, I mean, I wasn't really expecting that because, again, the movie is a framed story, and we kind of know how the story ends up. Oh yeah, we should explain. This is all thought in flashback. Um, he lives in Rome. Um, we should explain. Uh, Tito, now an adult, lives in Rome, and very he hears successful, of- very wealthy. Yeah, and he hears of um, Alfredo. Alfredo has passed away, and his funeral is, like, literally the next day. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, he's like, he tells his wife or girlfriend or mistress, whoever she is, you know, go to bed. And then he leans over and, you know, obviously lays awake sad as we do a slow push in and then flashback. Yeah. Or framed story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Golden, yes, golden, you know, golden Sicily of a, mm-hmm. of a time, you know. <laughs> Post-war Sicily. Yeah. I well, again, it looks golden. It's not golden because there's, <laughs> there's poverty. <laughs> yeah, there's poverty. There's there's strife. Uh, some political tension, that which doesn't really touch on. I, I Again, one thing I, I didn't like about the movie, even though like overall I do love the solid foundation that it's built on with this friendship between Tito and Alfredo, mm-hmm. um, it is it does kind of like gloss over the details. Um, I guess, but that could be also kind of the intention is the fact that, you know, this man is remembering his whole life. Yeah, Obviously, exactly. he's only going to remember the highlights. Exactly. You know, we don't yeah. see his, like, day-to-day life doing laundry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's five years old at this point. Like, again, I wanted context for, you know, why one family's moving to Germany. Everybody talks about Stalin and their opposition to communism. 
That is true. But yeah, like again, he's he's remembering this as a five-year-old. Obviously, no five-year-old is like privy to that information. No, and I mean, it also kind of we watched Bicycle Thieves a few weeks back, which is also taking place at kind of the same time period, and mm-hmm. that movie also doesn't give us a lot of context. It's just kind of like just by setting the mood and the scene, we know the what the trappings are of these people's day-to-day lives. We know they're very poor. We know they're not particularly satisfied with the way things are turning out, but, you know, they just live their lives day to day. But, um, anyway, John, this uh, relationship blossoms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, again, I think on this solid foundation, if the movie was just about that, I think we do have kind of the, the makings of a masterpiece here. Mm. And um, I, I do agree with you. It does kind of slog in the middle because it becomes a love story. <laughs> yeah, we get... It becomes about this friendship to Tito's life story, and it feels like it plays out in real time. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie's kind of separated into three acts. We get the first act where Tito is a little boy, mm-hmm. and then uh, we get the second act where he's a teenager, and he falls in love with this beautiful blue-eyed girl. Elena. Ooh, ooh is she fine? She's a fox. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the, all the Italian boys are panting like a Tex Avery cartoon. <laughs> and I think this is kind of the weakest point of the movie because, again, it kind of loses track of the whole Tito-Alfredo um, relationship. Alfredo's still around. He's still kind of giving him advice. He's tell- teaching him how to court this woman, but also telling yeah. him, like, don't get your hopes up. Blue-eyed women are the worst. <laughs> like, they'll always break your hat. And yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's not He's always wrong. there for, like, sage advice, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's not wrong because... Uh, you know, they do kind of have a little blossoming relationship, but unfortunately her father is not too keen on her marrying this dirty little filthy boy. Yeah. He's well, a projectionist, for God's sakes. Exactly. <laughs> You're right about that, and I think that's because, like, this is where this is where I can't square, like, the, the ultimate message that the film is trying to convey, and, like, his exact, like, how exactly it's trying to convey that. Mm. Because, like, I can understand, like, these, this flashback when he's five years old and things seem idyllic. Like, that I can understand. But the way this romance kind of plays out in the second act, it is like a literal movie. Yeah, and I think maybe that might be the intention is because, again, he's obviously, it's meant to invoke this nostalgia, you know, him growing up watching all these movies. And he likes to think that his life is going to be like one of those movies. These movies are literally projected onto you. Mm-hmm. And you look at them, and he, and at one point, Alfredo kind of has to bring him down to others. Like, life is not like the movies. <laughs> exactly. Movies and are easy. Life is hard. Yeah, yeah. And exactly, that's why I couldn't square, because mm-hmm. he does this grand romantic gesture, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to be waiting outside your door for 100 days straight to, like, demonstrate my love for you. Which, okay, then... timeline-wise, also doesn't make sense, because he waits from, like, August to December. Like, that's yeah. more than 100 days, right? Come I, on. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, again, I couldn't square that, because we see the calendar, and we see that it's clearly 1954. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, he was, like, a teeny tiny little boy, like, just a few years earlier, and now he's, like, I guess he's supposed to be a teenager, even though he's played by, like, a, a 23-year-old actor or something. Like, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't square that. But anyway. Yeah. Again, it's a it's a grand romantic gesture, and even though she confesses, like, I, I like you, but I'm not in love with you. Mm-hmm. Um, this wins her over, and then there's another circumstance where she has to leave, but she romantically, like, comes back in the pouring rain, and they share this uh, embrace, this wet embrace. <laughs> Well, no, and like I, for a second there, I thought it could have been a dream sequence because before exactly, that, he's kind yeah, of wishing, like, you know, like I wish this were like the movies, and she would just suddenly appear just as a storm hits, and then lightning mm-hmm. strikes, and then yeah. it starts raining, and then she appears literally. Yeah, but as you said, like the ultimate message is, and this is what Alfredo imparts on Tito, is like don't get nostalgic, like don't don't live in the past, like always be moving forward. 
Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's what I couldn't square in in the second act. Like, his life is still playing out like a movie, even though Mm -hmm. he's slowly coming to realize that, no, my my life is not like the movies, and I have to... Well, no, Alfredo doesn't give him that advice until his heart is broken by this woman. Really? I, again, I can't. I can't remember. I thought. It, I thought that came earlier. No, I think that comes back after he goes to the army. There's this oh, other little quick interlude where he goes to the army for a few years and then comes mm-hmm. back, and then you know he meets up with Alfredo again, and Alfredo finally gives him this advice: is like, get out of this town, get out of here, and don't come back. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to see you again. Because mm-hmm. again, Alfredo has lived a life of regret, and he doesn't <laughs> want the same fate to kind of happen to Tito. He's like, just get out of here and move on with your life. You know, movies aren't real. Movies aren't real. Don't live in nostalgia. <laughs> I know. Right? It plays out exactly like Harry and the Henderson. <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here. Don't you see how we don't watch you anymore? <laughs> That's not true. It's it's done it's done very well. <laughs> it's done very tastefully. Yeah. Tu qua non ci devi venire. Ma come te lo devo fare capire? Se può sapere, come hai a parlare? Se prende fuoco la pellicola, ha come sei piccolo tu, fai una vampata sola. Boom! E diventa un pezzo di carbone. Minchia che lingua lunga che hai. Un giorno l'auto ti taglio. Proprio così. Me lo posso prendere? Mm. Allora me lo posso prendere? Minchia, ma allora sordo sei! Questo lo devo mettere di nuovo dentro quando smontiamo la pellicola, santo diavolone! Ma peggio non una piattola, sì! Um, well, okay, so I think you're right about the message of the movie, but it's very reminiscent of a movie that came out a few years ago. You may have I, heard of it. Yes, I, I know exactly. We never we didn't plan this, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Let's say it La La Land! I do. <laughs> No, I was going to say a Christmas story. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, whoops. All right. Um, so, yeah, anyway, La La you talk Land. about La La Land. La La Land, again, is a movie that invokes a very old, nostalgic feeling. It's meant to be invocative of old style movies. But again, the movie ultimate... musicals from the 50s, yeah. Yeah. And, but weirdly, the ultimate message of the movie is don't live in the past, keep moving forward, don't let nostalgia kind of rule your life. Mm-hmm. And this movie has a very similar message, but it kind of doesn't really square with the style or the tone, because again, it's a celebration of all those old movies. It's a celebration <laughs> of nostalgia. So it's kind of, I appreciate the attempt to kind of like twist the knife and be like, hold on, hold the, prompt the brakes. <laughs> we were expecting you to think one thing, but it's actually the other. Yeah. But also that kind of makes your message feel muddled or that you're sending like a mixed signals. Well, yeah, again, I, well, I, I more put that around the cultural reputation of this movie. Mm. Like so, I think the movie is not entirely successful, but it does do a good job of, of as you said, conveying that message that no, you shouldn't be living in the past. Like you know, we it very has a very general idea of like oh, the magic of the movies, mm-hmm. um, which I'll talk about later because again, it it deals with it in a very general way. Mm-hmm. But I think it is successful in terms of conveying that like okay, we're moving on. You know the the cinema spoiler alert. <laughs> we should say it actually concludes with the the this cinema paradiso actually being torn down. Exactly. And so I think it do, it is successful in that, um, in conveying that you know again let's not live in the past let's not be blinded by nostalgia, mm-hmm. but 
again, this movie's reputation, it's literally called, like, Cinema Paradiso. So you look at it from afar and you think, like, oh, that's all this movie's indulging in. Exactly. Like, literally the paradise of cinema. Yeah. And so I think that's that's what critics and audiences just kind of, like, see it from afar and they think, like, oh, and now it kind of, and now they're kind of, like, saddling it with that reputation. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I see that more as, like, kind of an, as an outside thing. Like, outside forces are kind of imposing that. Um. Yeah, I guess you're kind of right. And again, like maybe that's part of the whole kind of like marketing scheme. One of my favorite movies, period, is Falling Down. And that's because <laughs> literally because again, it sets you up thinking that you're seeing one kind of movie and then you're seeing a completely different kind of movie. So mm-hmm. I do appreciate that like again when movies are able to do that. I just don't think this movie 100% accomplishes that. Very good movie, don't get me okay. wrong. Yeah. But again, like I don't think I if, if anything, I think La La Land does it better. Okay. With the whole kind of like uh, twist, I guess, the narrative twist. È tutto un giorno che ti cerco. Il latte l'hai comprato? No. E i soldi dove sono? Me li hanno rubati. Che cosa c'è fatto di soldi? Ti sei pagato il cinematografo? Sì. Il cinematografo. Il cinematografo. I know what you want to talk about, and that's the relationship between Tito and Alfredo, and if it's more than just a friendship, that's what you want to talk about. Look, they're just two guys hanging out together in a cramped room, sometimes with their shirts off. I they don't have their shirts off. Watching point. naughty movies. They're not watching naughty. I, I did like that timeline progression. I, I love those little details, and uh, supposedly this is uh, based on director Giuseppe Tornatorte's uh, life growing up in Sicily. Mm. Um, so I did like the detail early on. The priest has to watch each movie before it's actually played at Cinema Paradiso and uh, censor any uh, lewd, <laughs> lewd uh, material. <laughs> I do love the way that's done. He has a little bell next uh-huh. to him and he rings every time. It's like, cut that out, cut that yeah. out. And he does a little marker as the film's like rolling in to know. <laughs> a lot of good, so- lot of good uh, match cuts in this movie as well. Oh, yeah. Because there's one point where he's ringing the little bell, and then you hear, dong, 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 and it cuts yeah, to the, the big actual... church bell. Yeah. yeah. So those are good. Um, and I do like progress, because like, as as time goes on, as time marches on, uh, mm-hmm. we do see that lewd material actually does make it into the movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> much, of the, because... much of the father's uh, consternation. So eventually the cinema paradiso kind of burns down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a gut punch, because again, it's a, it's a moment at which... You know, they're clearing out the hall, you know, it's time to close, but obviously everyone still wants to watch the movies. And so what Alfredo does is he turns the projector around to a window and kind of projects it out into the square so everyone can watch it. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a nice little pleasant moment. Everyone's having a good time, but because he's not watching the projector, it catches fire. Yeah. And the whole theater goes up in flames. And sadly, Tito is able to save Alfredo, but, you know, not able to save his eyesight. Yeah. Literally, a projectionist now cannot see. Yeah. 
and this is where you think, oh, it's going to be a conventional movie. Like now, now the whole community is going to band together and rebuild Cinema Paradiso. And nope, that's not what happens. <laughs> no, no, and I actually appreciated that because uh, they find a wealthy benefactor or whatever. Oh, hey, it's here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nuevo, Nuevo <laughs> Cinema Paradiso. <laughs> And it kind of like I, and this is also kind of an, like I thought the, you know, quote unquote noble benefactor would be kind of more sleazy, but instead he's just yeah. kind of like a normal businessman. He's just you know he knows what people want, so he obviously puts like neon lights up and he starts putting on more lewd, salacious movies. Yeah. And again, the movie doesn't shy away from the fact that yes, kids are jerking it in the front row. I like oh, yeah, jeez, I forgot about that. <laughs> I like I, not to say I like that little detail, but I like the fact that it's included. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's I guess that's one thing you can't square because again, it seems very fableish. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it it doesn't seem to be like confronting the reality. Like there's a there's a homeless man in the square. Like obviously he's like <sighs> mentally ill, but he's yeah. treated as this kind of you know, cher- you know this cherub, this sweethearted old man. See, and I, then, uh, I hated that. I just thought it was yeah, so I'm unnecessary. Just... And every time they brought it up, it was like, do, do Italians find this hilarious? Why is this guy still here? I I know it's. It, yeah, it's probably not treated with the respect that yeah, it probably should, the homelessness should be treated with. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, you get these details like yeah, the, the camera dollies just go along with a whole row of boys like literally like <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> and at one point, the uh, the usher or whatever says like, "Hey, stop that!" And then he looks in the screen and he's like, "Ooh!" <laughs> and he kind of tugs at his pants a little bit like, yeah. "Calm down." <laughs> yeah. So you know that's the one thing that you can't square like you know being a, a a fun you know fun-filled movie for the whole family mm-hmm. <laughs> like this fantasy or the like kind of harsh reality of it so mm-hmm. but um speaking speaking of that <laughs> <laughs> because where the movie really ends officially ends mm-hmm. is um at the very beginning little tito wants all those uh scenes that have been cut of uh, people kissing exactly and alfredo kind of says like no i need those because i'm going to put them back in he's like well why haven't you it's because like i don't know where they go he doesn't really have like a filing system and it's pretty clear he really has no intention of ever putting them back in yes but uh at the very end after uh, alfredo has sadly passed away he leaves mm-hmm. a gift for tito now a now little real a little yes. real a little real a supercut <laughs> <laughs> of all those uh kissing scenes that he's excised <laughs> Yes, mm-hmm. and again, we're cynical people. I t- no, you're a cynical person. I I knew you were gonna think this. I think this is perfectly innocent. <laughs> Just a grown man sharing his tapes with a little boy. <laughs> nothing, a, nothing a, insidious say, about this whatsoever. Of a erotic nature. <laughs> like half of them are like women getting their clothes torn off. Like, come on. Yeah, just, no, that's only one. That's the. I think that's the one that the boys are jerking it to, but. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that is one thing I wanted to I wanted to know, and you know, again, we can be cynical, but again, we're also like analyzing the details of it. Mm-hmm. Like we see, like this is a this is all about romance, like all these scenes, and that's one thing I was missing from the movie because again, it's it speaks very generally about the magic of the movies, and I wanted to know like what exactly is it about these movies <laughs> that people find so like magical? Like I wanted to play out like. Like, let's say they're watching a John Wayne Western, like, stagecoach. Mm-hmm. And does that, like, teach uh, Tito to be brave in a situation, you know, the way John Wayne is? You know, does does the movie, does it, like, is there a specific, like, does a specific movie impart something specific for the characters? And instead, it's just, like, oh, general, like, you know, oh, the lights come down, we sit there and watch it and then leave. I think it really has more of, it's more of an idea of general escapism. Like, regardless yeah. of what movie is on, the idea that these people whose lives are not exactly idyllic... They're very mm-hmm. poor. They're very kind of unhappy with their station in life. Kind of get a day to escape, and get to kind of 
be part of a community again and just kind of like all sit in this dark room and just kind of forget about their lives for you know eight hours let's assume because again this was back in the day when they just ran like movies all day and you could just sit in and watch all of them and i think that's exactly what it's trying to impart is this idea that it's just like movies are just kind of a nice kind of separation from ordinary life because again life is hard life is not easy so it's nice to see an idyllic version of life you're right i I do wish that maybe they kind of imparted a more kind of specific theme but i think that's ultimately the theme they're they're trying to possess yeah but you 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 brought up something interesting with this whole idea of like romance and the fact that all the scenes that are cut from those you know church sponsored censored versions are romance scenes Mm -hmm. and what happens with tito obviously is that he uh he pines for this girl yeah he's separated from this woman that he loved and never sees her again and towards the end we get he has this kind of like heart to heart with his mother and his mother kind of implies it's like every time i call you it's a different woman but i can hear in her voice she doesn't really love you and it kind of like implies that you know he's he's never able to achieve love ever since he left or ever since she left mm-hmm. and i don't like again this kind of plot line kind of i feel like doesn't really come to anything again life is hard this movie mm. isn't trying to give you easy answers no but i don't know like i don't i don't know if this movie really kind of explored this his inability to love and maybe it even stretches back to the whole idea that it's like he abandoned his mother. Because again, like, <laughs> he, he leaves town. He just takes off. And he yeah. never returns for, like, three decades. 30 years, yeah. He doesn't yeah. even speak to his... Uh, I think he sends back money. Exactly. He sends back money, mentioned. and that's pretty much it. Because yeah. again, his mother calls, and it's always whoever he's dating answers the phone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, uh, what, what did you think of this whole kind of, like, plot line? Do you think it kind of resolves nicely? Do you think it has something to say? Or do you think it... Are you like me, where you feel like, you know, they kind of toyed with the idea, but didn't really bring it to fruition? I uh, Maybe that... I think it is, they kind of toyed with the idea. I think it's a part of what we're trying to square is the reality and maybe the, the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that montage at the end that he sees is the fulfillment of the, of the romance that he's never achieved in life. Maybe that's true. Maybe yeah. that's it. But you're right about the family. Like, that could be mined more for like dramatic potential. Mm-hmm. But I do like kind of the 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 reality of like, oh, they're but they're family and they just kind of get along. Exactly. Like, I, so I I like that. Like, that's fine. Again, it didn't need to be a movie about familial conflict. Necessarily. No, you're right. But I do wish that was kind of like played out a little bit more. Like, for instance, like the sister. Mm-hmm. Like, she seems like she might be an important character early in the movie, and then she just gets completely dropped. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes she's missing. <laughs> exactly. Like, where does she go? Yeah. I think it's when they they get news uh, that, or the official confirmation that, yes, uh, Tito's father has died. Mm-hmm. And she she starts walking home and she with Tito and she has a breakdown. But yeah, I was asking like, wait, doesn't don't they have a, a doesn't Tito have a sister? Like, where's she? <laughs> yeah, how does this affect her? Come on. I know. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of missing those little uh, details and context and things like that. But overall, I I kind of can't like hold it against the movie. I think it has like a good it has a solid foundation in this friendship. Mm-hmm. It has a good like head on the shoulders, uh, like tremendous production value. Because I love this, those early scenes. We're in this square with Cinema Paradiso, and we and Tito does return there thirty years later, and now it's like a it's like a parking lot, and it's gray, <laughs> and <laughs> yep, everything's kind of like lost character. Yeah, and ads everywhere. So I love I love that. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, I think to be considered truly a classic because we're we're arbiters, of, taste. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, have you seen my letter from the Nielsen? Okay. <laughs> 
that yes, it could it could bring in a few more details to kind of give it just a little bit more richness. Um, we should also explain, like again, you mentioned that we watched we watched the two hour version. There are three different versions of this movie. Oh really? Yes, there's a there was a two and a half hour version that aired or aired. <laughs> there's that newest thing again that uh, screened at the Cannes Film Festival, mm-hmm. and uh, it played in Italy, but it didn't do very well in its in uh, in its homeland. So uh, they for the international release they cu- they cut it down to just two hours, and that's the version we watched. Okay. And then years later, when it, when it became a big hit internationally, they released a director's cut, and according to Wikipedia, so you know it's true. Um, <laughs> apparently, all that that additional hour of footage was him reuniting with Elena, his long lost love. She has her own family and it's basically a, a whole nother, a whole nother movie about him trying to rekindle this relationship and sh- she rebuffing him. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad that was, I'm glad that was left out. Cause that, yeah, yeah that would have ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. Reading through it. I, that was not a movie I wanted to watch. So I'm no, thankful I, that I don't yeah. want to watch my aunt Anita. Come on. <laughs> We've had a solid track record, though, John, with Italian films. Yeah. I mean, if I had to sum up uh, this film in my pithy yet uh, succinct way, I would say it's mm-hmm. uh, earnest but calculated. I, I don't know about the calculated bit, because it, it is also loose. I th- yeah, but it's also, you know, very histrionic. It's very, again, nah, done that's in this. True, yeah. It's very, it's obviously trying to capture that old spirit of film where everything was just, like, a little obvious. And I think that's, I, while I did really enjoy this movie, like, I just don't know if there's enough going on beneath the surface. Like, it, it wears its heart on its sleeve. Like a, like a big, boisterous Italian man. Like, hey, come on, Giuseppe! <laughs> and again, yeah, like, I... maybe it's because we watched Bicycle Thieves too close to this movie. Mm. Whereas, like, that is a very realistic depiction, as opposed to this movie, which does feel a little, like you said, fablish. A little yeah, more well, kind of stereotypically Italian. <laughs> Let's be no, honest. I was well, I was just going to say, like, Bicycle Thieves is hugely successful at establishing that world, like, right away. Mm-hmm. It, like, whereas this, like, okay, we need to know exactly what's what's going on with Tito. Again, that plot line where that quid pro quo between where Tito's going to teach Alfredo how to uh, pass a GED while Alfredo trains Tito how to use a projector. That doesn't happen until, like, 40 minutes into the movie. I don't see. I think you're kind of implying that it's more of a quid pro quo. It seems like more of a momentary thing. Well, exactly. Like, I it's more like, like Tito just takes crux. pity on like, him. 
Yeah, it's not yeah. like it's not like they make a deal. It's like you help me pass this test, and I'll teach you how to be a projectionist. It's like Tito's already kind of like broken his way into being a projectionist. Like he's tricked his way in. That's true. And out and, like, see, and, and Alfredo just happens friends, to be like, there taking the test, and he's like, oh, I might as well help him out. He's not obviously not going to pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're right. There, there's already kind of like a, a budding friendship there because uh, Tito, he he was supposed to go buy milk for his mother. Instead, he went to go to the movie house and <laughs> exactly. wasted his money that way. But Alfredo contrives a situation where, like, oh, no, here's 50 lira that the boy supposedly lost. Yeah, he so, got in yeah. for free, and he dropped it. I picked it up yeah. for him. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, yeah, and I like that there's another friend there who's obviously not getting it it's like what did you find on the floor well i found this comb and these shoe lifts (laughs) didn't you find any money on the floor no yes you did and then pulls a little magic trick yeah exactly yeah apparently a lot of water-brained people in uh, sicily at this time oh (laughs) again classic stereotypical italians this was mr uh torte's experience i mean don't look at me This is how he sees Italian people, okay? It's not racist. <laughs> anyway, hooray, hooray for the movies, is what we can conclude. Yes. The movies are magic. Yes. Hooray Ding. for Hollywood. <laughs> da, 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 da. John, with that, mm-hmm. let's look at the Oscars. Yes. Ooh, let me prepare. I've got notes. I've got notes. <laughs> no, you don't. No, I don't. I just let me, let me bring up the page. Uh. Gosh. <laughs> I know all the I know all the categories. All right, well, yeah, I'm categorizing my heart because I'm a freaking nerd. I, <laughs> I am a nerd. I, I always tout my uh, my Oscar predicting prowess, mm-hmm. but I always get best picture wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and this year, I know I'm going to get it wrong because it's the most kind of like wide open category this year. I think picture. everything this year was kind of because again they you know after the backlash of hashtag Oscar so white they really mm-hmm. kind of like opened up the doors to really a lot of different people. Uh, voting for the Oscars, and then also, you know, Harvey Weinstein obviously is not a big player anymore. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and so, uh, who's like after the Weinstein company? Who's the biggest player? You've got Fox Searchlight. And yeah. so, what was the big push this year? Uh, the Fish Fucking Man movie. Like so. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing makes no, sense. John, John, nothing makes sense. An earnest. It was an earnest ode to a pe- to times past. <laughs> 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 there is a apparently a plot line or. A, a theater features prominently in the movie, so mm-hmm. that's why that's why I assumed it would take home Best Picture. Yeah, because <laughs> again, it's trafficking that nostalgia. But then again, that was La La Land last year, and it didn't win the big prize. So <laughs> what the hell do I know? <laughs> well, also the post. There's a little uh, moment in the post I noticed when they're actually photographing, uh, photocopying the Pentagon Papers. Where mm-hmm. are they doing it? At a place where they make movie posters. Posters. Because movies speak the... truth to power. Damn it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, but the post the post is done, John. It's done. It's done. And it's time to shine. Yeah, we could see we could see the cynicism behind it. Like, oh, I gotta I gotta pump this movie out, you know, to take advantage of the award season because because of the time, you know, mm-hmm. Mr. Trump, you will not take down journalism. <laughs> <laughs> and they could see through they could see through this thin veneer. They could see through the, their intention. Ugh. Who would have thought that the Oscars <laughs> would turn against Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep? What a time to be alive. What it's time. time. It's time to award new folks like uh, Jordan Peele. Welcome to Trump's America. <laughs> it's time they they award Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele and see. And I, I think I, that's I gotta the, say, there, a lot of indies. I think that's what's throwing me off. Is like, no, okay, you're supposed to give G- Gary Oldman all the awards. Come on. <laughs> 
Well, that's an indie picture, too, I think. Mm. Actually, no, it's not, is it? No, come on. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Darkest Hour, yes. I, okay, let's let's get into the actual predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most obvious of which are the actor categories. So mm-hmm. Gary Oldman is going to win Best Actor, because it's his turn, as always. So it's an actor's <laughs> turn. Uh, best Actress is going to go to... Oh my gosh, I can't remember. <laughs> Frances McDormand. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Frances McDormand. Um, even though she's already won for Fargo, it, it's, again, another strong lady performance. So I mean, it's been two decades. It's time. I, that's true. Actually, yeah, 22 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Man, time is just a flat circle. I mean, I would like to see uh, Sorsa Ronan win, or however you Saoirse, pronounce it. Yeah, Saoirse I don't know Ronan, how to pronounce yeah. her first name. I, again, like... <laughs> Irish. Weird. <laughs> Because we love Ladybird, let's let's go back to Ladybird. Because um, mm. here's a little trivia for you folks you may not know. But yes. <laughs> supporting actor is going to go to Sam Rockwell. Because again, kind of Hollywood veteran, and again another steely performance in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, and it seems like all the other kind of nominations are like rightfully deserved, but not really worthy of the prize. Like Willem Dafoe mm. obviously deserves all the credit in the world for his role in. Uh, Florida Project, and Richard Jenkins obviously deserves to be up there, but come on, Richard Jenkins is never going to win. I know. <laughs> I, I he's going to get an honorary a... Oscar when he's like no, 94 No, I think give it another old. 10 years when he's the... I got it. I got it, John. Oh, okay. Give him another 10 years when he plays the, the cranky, sassy, elderly person. <laughs> <laughs> There's always reservation in the supporting categories for that, and this year it goes to <laughs> Allison Janney for I, Tanya. <laughs> You it know, goes he... to Alan Arkin. It goes to well, Christopher Plummer wasn't sassy, but you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it always it always one of the supporting supporting act, actor categories goes to a lion in winter. And so yep. this year it's Allison Janney, even though she's not even like sixty yet. <laughs> yeah, we, we like obviously Oscar Oscar uh, voters like to see themselves reflected in their parts, so they want to see mm. people decaying. They want to yeah. see people <laughs> dying. <laughs> and in that role, we see her when she's got she's still smoking, even though she's got the tubes in her nose yeah <laughs> anyway um best director based on all the other awards is going to go to guillermo del toro for shape of water you think so yeah okay i mean again based on everything else i've seen like you know winning the dga award i mean i, I would love to see christopher nolan finally take home some gold the poor guy can't catch a break <laughs> oh come on like dunkirk is it's too experimental too experimental what are you talking about it's too like the star of the movie is the structure and nothing yeah, else I know, but John, come on, it's a World War II picture around Oscar time. <laughs> if it wasn't, but that's the thing. Take out the World War II element, do you think the movie would have been nominated? Yeah. No. I uh, Well, because well, he always like brings a prestige or an importance to every project that he does. I guess so. that's true, yeah. <laughs> well, literally, he brought yeah. the prestige. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> to The Dark Knight. <laughs> womp <Yeah>. womp. <laughs> you didn't need the womp womp, anyway. <laughs> Um, I'm surprised to see George, like Get Out get so much attention though. Well, I mean, it was a kind of it, well, it was a huge hit for one thing. That mm-hmm. like box office, you know, returns really does have an effect on the attention that a movie receives around awards time. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it was a it was a huge hit, and I think just affected like as an effective horror movie uh, with a little more on its mind. I know it's from like Blumhouse Pictures, um, and you think like oh, you think like bottom of the barrel like movies like The Bye Bye Man or something. <laughs> Blumhouse, it just makes them cheap, okay? That's the. I, I don't think of it as bottom of the barrel. I'm just, like, efficient. Yeah. And, well, I mean, but I think he does have an instinct for uh, Jason Blum, the producer, does have an instinct, because he was also a producer on Whiplash. Mm, really? That was his first official, like, Oscar nomination, was the best picture for Whiplash. Interesting. So I think he does have a, he does have a sense for prestige and maybe what will work 
you know, not, not only effectively, but audiences, obviously, with how successful Blumhouse is. <laughs> See, the thing also... is, like, I've, I've heard interviews with him from NPR, and all he talks about is, like, here's my techniques. Lo- no, not a lot of speaking parts, okay, because actors cost money. <laughs> not a lot of sets, <laughs> because sets cost money. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> again, like, yeah, maybe that's... Still a, maybe again, still an independent producer. Yeah. yeah, like, again, maybe it's because he's found that right balance between, like, you know, let's make it cheap, but let's make it as good as we can. <laughs> yeah. And also maybe finding the right talent, like uh, Damien Chazelle or something like that. Exactly. He's got an eye for talent. But, John, that leads to Best Picture. Oh, dear. And that, the little piece of trivia that I had. Greg loves trivia. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I've been wrong on the last couple of years of who would win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you who hasn't been wrong. Mm. Me. It's, the, it's, my, it's my humble co-host here, mm-hmm. John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somehow... His favorite movie from the last like three years has has ended up winning Best Picture. Surprisingly, at, at most surprisingly, last year. Yes. With uh, with Moonlight. <laughs> so John, I, uh, of the of the nine nominees, which was your favorite? I was going to assume Lady Bird, so that is going to win. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like those were literally my favorite movies of the year. Lady Bird, though very high up there, was not my favorite movie of the year. Oh, I see. If we if I had to say. Oscar nominations, yes, Lady Bird would be my favorite movie of the year. And as a prognosticator, I have to say, it is going to win. But, you obviously, so? my I have no idea. At least I was confident <laughs> with the, with those other ones. This one, I'm yeah. like, no idea. So, I mean, I totally foresee The Shape of Water or Three Billboards winning. But, yeah. sadly, I don't see Lady Bird winning. Sorry, Greta. All right. Well, again, just because we have a huge impact on this. <laughs> <laughs> So I just wanted to. Oh, uh, have you seen my info. Nelson letter? <laughs> exactly, John. John has has a big has a big dick in the academy. Okay, <laughs> he holds court now that he, now that he's um uh, now that he's smothered uh, H W here. <laughs> what do you th- what do you think the Me Too movement really came out of? Hmm? Is this guy over here? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Me Too. Yeah, me specifically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my favorite movie of the year was Dunkirk, and I would like to see that win. But again, Mr. Nolan can't catch a break. No. But speaking of somebody who can't catch a break, Mm -hmm. and this is what I want to talk about. So people strap in, because there's one category that I'm looking at. It's all I care about on on this night. Okay. And it is best cinematography. Oh, jeez. Particularly, John, do you know who I'm talking about? (sighs) I have a sneaking suspicion. (laughs) (laughs) There is a man. I don't want to say hero, but I'm a huge admirer of his. (laughs) There is a man. A certain man. A certain man. <laughs> yes, and I believe I believe he belongs in the pantheon of cinema's greatest, <laughs> next to Orson Welles. <laughs> His name is Roger Deakins, mm-hmm. and this year he is up for best cinematography again mm. for the fourteenth time, and he has not won. And it is a crime. It is a complete injustice really? that of these fourteen nominations, he has not taken home one yet. <laughs> Greg, let me count the ways. Exhibit A, his first nomination. Oh, just a little movie uh, called The Shawshank Redemption, Ugh. one of the greatest movies of all time. Oh, oh I'm losing my voice. <laughs> no, keep up this volume. This is great. You're blowing exactly. out the mic. I'm, I'm hitting the red. I'm hitting the red. That's how. That's how passionate I am about this. <laughs> Greg, but look, all right, it's got to be the right project, okay? And do you really want to see Roger Deakins? Oscar winner for Blade Runner 2049. I don't care. He deserves the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me look through some others, okay? Mm. He's a frequent collaborator with the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. So, 
all of any best any any Coen Brothers movie would do just fine. I know. Yes. Again, and they all look exceptional. Fargo, mm-hmm. exceptional cinematography. Uh, no Country for Old Men, exceptional. Like again, just beautiful landscapes and even like little dialogue scenes, like the the scene between Anton Chigurh and the gas station attendant, like the little push in and the cut, and it's just perfect. I gotta know what I stand to win. Yeah, <laughs> everything. You'll stand to win everything. Call it. <laughs> That's my Javier Bardem accent. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> by the way, that year was 2007. You know what else came out that year? The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. One of the most beautifully photographed movies ever. Ugh. He was nominated for that movie, too. He had 40% chance to win in 2007, and he didn't do it. <laughs> These, and he's also a collaborator, as you mentioned, Blade Runner 2049. Now he's a collaborator with Denis Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. So the last couple of years, he's gotten nominated for Sicario, for Prisoners, and now Blade Runner. Unfortunately, he's ran into the gauntlet of Emmanuel Lubitsky with his stupid long takes and telenovela style. I'm sorry, I don't like his cinematography. Ouch. And he's won three years in a row. And it's an injustice. It's a cry for help. This podcast is now a four-year consideration campaign to give Roger Deakins his damn Oscar. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I have. Guys, please. I hope I, I'm going to send a CD of this because, again, it's it's the Academy. They're old. Maybe should give him. Maybe should give him a cassette. <laughs> yeah. Put it on VHS. Then they'll watch yeah. it on Betamax. <laughs> Telling them, please, finally, uh, give Roger Deakins the recognition he deserves. <laughs> now I don't know. It's possible with 14 nominations and never winning. It's possible that he's like a jerk and you know, treats grips and uh, ACs poorly. I don't know, but. Again, I've seen him in interviews. He seems like a nice guy. So Yeah, you know who also seems like a nice the, guy? I don't know what the reason is. You know who also seems like a nice guy? Harvey Weinstein. I know. I know. <laughs> Again, Oscars, that, that's the other thing. Like Obviously, Oscars has no bearing on the on the person's character, because Har- <laughs> otherwise Harvey Weinstein and Woody Allen wouldn't have multiple Oscars, there you but go. here we are. <laughs> and Martin Scorsese would have all of them. <laughs> exactly. Nice, nice man when he's uh, when he's not coked out. <laughs> <laughs> but he's fun when he's coked out. That's the most fun <laughs> Scorsese. <laughs> You should, you should tell him that. <laughs> Marty, you make great movies and all of it. Marty, Marty <laughs> to his friends. Marty. Get that, yeah. Get, do a couple of rails and then perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, you know, hop, get off the wagon for a bit. You go off reservation for a little while. Let's see what turns out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of off the rails, I, do, I, 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 I would be remiss if we didn't talk about screenplay. Because, oh boy. Oh, yeah. I know they especially <laughs> kind of go outside the box with those nominations, but oh boy. <laughs> Well, what what in particular did you want to look at? Well, I mean, look, obviously I love Camille Nanjiani and his wife Emily V. Gordon. I've been following their mm-hmm. careers for quite some time, but I never thought I would see Oscar-nominated Camille <laughs> Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon ever next to their names. <laughs> uh, I think it. I think that uh, that's indicative of a couple of a couple of years of like weak writing, mm-hmm. um, just just with Hollywood production schedules or something like that. So. I mean, it is kind of an amazing story, and again, true to life, so I can kind of see why. Well, a personal story, too. Yeah, exactly. That's, so, that's what they go for. I kind of appreciate that. And But then also, adapted screenplay. First of all, stop giving Aaron, stop enabling Aaron Sorkin. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Speaking of guys who are better when they're on drugs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then we got Logan here. What's going on here? I Yeah. So, again, not a, not a strong gear for screenplays, I don't think. <laughs> well, no, it's not that Logan's not a bad script. It's just... <laughs> I mean, have you heard of the source material? Uh, was it the one? What's it called? X twenty three or something? I don't know. No, no, no. So the, the comic book nerds. I don't know, who cares? So the the kind of closest kind of adaptation to it is a um, Mark Millar penned comic series called Old Man Logan. 
Okay. But instead of an old version of Professor X, he's uh, helping an old version of Hawkeye across the United States. And again, it takes place... Hawkeye? Wait, you mean Jeremy Renner? Yes, Jeremy Renner. Hawkeye. Okay. <laughs> the character, Greg. Okay, he was a character before Jeremy Renner started playing. Okay, got it. I, I, again, put it in terms I can understand. Okay. <laughs> and then, like... But again, it takes place in the Marvel Universe, so it's like a lot of kind of marvely weirdness is in there like for instance the gangs that he fights in the comic book series all have been tainted with like gamma radiation so they all are their own versions of the hulk so he has to fight like a bunch of hulks and stuff like that it's really weird <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> so it's fine it's it, i think this is what people need to give credit to for these comic book movies they take something so bizarre and they kind of like sand it to a nice fine mirror shine <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah the with Logan, that's particularly apt. Very sandy <laughs> in the first half. It's in Mexico. But they eventually make it to Canada. Yeah, I know. He returns home. I ask. It's a beautiful yeah. movie. You know what? Screw it. I want Logan to win. I want Logan to win all of them. <laughs> Why was that not nominated for Best well, Picture? Because it. it wasn't Best Picture. How anyway. dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Come at me, nerds. It's better than Dunkirk. The best movie ever. <laughs> Christopher Nolan is the best director. You make the best movies. Right. Okay. He makes the best movies. I know. Anyway, social media. <laughs> that concludes that concludes our Oscar discussion. Yes. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry if we spoiled Sunday night for you. I know I know all the categories seem up in the air. And... <laughs> but this will make it an interesting Oscars because again, who knows what'll win? Uh, yeah. Could be uh call me by your name. Who knows you know two uh two pretty two... <laughs> two fruity movies in a row. <laughs> Why Greg Greg. I apologize. <sighs> that, that, that's coming out. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> I, just, I know. If people need well, to see I, how I was, racist... If you are going to tune in, I know Suf, Suf John Stevens is going to perform, and I like him, so... I have no idea who... He's nominated who for that? an original song, Call Me By Your Name. What? Who is that? You don't know who Suf John Stevens is? I have no idea. That's Chicago... You've had to have heard of that Chicago song. Well, I've heard of a lot of Chicago songs. Saturday in the park. <laughs> I think it was the Fourth of July. No, this is the one. This is the one that goes like, "All things go." I'll, th- I'll play it to you later. Okay. <laughs> anyway, social media. Play it over the end credits. <laughs> I will. Anyway, we're on social media. Please give us a like and a follow there. And at Aspiring Snobs. And if you ever want to reach out to us directly, you can email us at AspiringSnobs at gmail.com with your questions, your comments, and your recommendations. We're taking recommendations, so why don't you give us some movies to watch? Because Lord knows we're not good at picking them ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're not. (laughs) Speaking of which, John, what have we picked next week? Next week, in honor of the new... I'm going to manage to try to say the sentence without throwing up. Uh, Paramount Network is doing (laughs) a new film series based on Heather's. So we are going Not to be... Film se- yeah, you said film series? Or... Yeah, TV show, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and it's an anthology. Oh, I can't make it! <laughs> John, anthology series are so big right now. Okay, <laughs> So hot right now. Those, those mini-series slash TV movie categories at the, <laughs> at the Emmys are just wide open. <laughs> so yes, we'll be revisiting the 1980s classic dark comedy, Heathers. Which I have seen, but you have not. No. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy yourself. Okay. Yeah, I better. You won't. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that and realizing well, see, who you are. I'm not a huge are. black comedy person, so. It's true. I, I'm, I'm, a black, I'm a black person, but not a black comedy person, so. Greg, you're black? What? <laughs> I, I, I said that wrong, didn't I? Yeah, you I'm did. a black-hearted person yeah. is what I should have said. Yeah, no, you are not a black person, Greg. <laughs>
No. You are whiter than sour cream. I'm honorary black. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, Charlemagne the God said I could use the N-word whenever I want. <laughs> You're like Quentin Tarantino. Exactly. I'm I get a free pass. Brother. Exactly. John, let's get out of here before we get into trouble. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, keep aspiring. <laughs>